It's the Americhips with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. It's almost unbelievable that Trump has extricated the U.S. from the Iran nuclear deal. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks. Dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. Welcome to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we do, we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. We got to be having these conversations. So be sure and check out my website, americhicks.com. You can sign up for my emails there. We will keep you apprised of all the great upcoming events and great uh, guests. And uh, so we'll keep you just in the loop on all of that kind of stuff. I am the Americhicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. We'd greatly appreciate it if you would like and follow me. And Offering you a conservatarian perspective, we've got quite a show planned for you today. Again, I uh, want to give a shout out and a thank you to my great team, producer Steve, uh, Zach, Patty, and Keith. Thank you to keep uh, keep the wheels going here. We greatly appreciate it. Today we're going to be talking about, uh, there's a, a, a probably the top three headlines, if we can hopefully get through all of those, is first of all, the vote on the New Green Deal. Uh, There were 43 senators that voted present, so we're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, Jesse Smollett, the uh, charges were dropped against him. And then the Colorado uh, budget was presented, and uh, there's significantly more money in that, about a billion dollars more. And so there's plenty of money out there. There's just want more to spend. So we will... Uh, try to get through all those th- three things in this first segment. We're going to be talking with uh, Congressman Ken Buck in the second segment about what's going, in in Was- going on in Washington. And then former Senator Kevin Lundberg uh, will be chatting with him in the third and fourth segment regarding what is going on at the State House down at the Golden Dome here in Colorado. Uh, before we do that, though, you know, we've got some great, exciting events, and we've got... I'm working on two things that you all are going to be so excited about. And so I might be able to announce it tomorrow. I will let you know. But one of the things that we're doing is Vino and Veritas. I'm partnering with Dr. Tom Cranawitter, Bethany, and his team. Uh, Jen Hewlin over at Waters Edge Winery. We've got a new partner down in Castle Rock uh, to open up Vino and Veritas Castle Rock. But Dr. Cranawitter is creating this fascinating lecture series on the Federalist Papers because, my friends, we need to know why we believe what we believe. We need to then be able to articulate it to ourselves and articulate it to our friends and our families and our colleagues. So Vino and Veritas is the, and Centennial is the, uh, meets the fourth Monday of each month throughout 2019. Vino and Veritas Castle Rock begins this Sunday, March 31st. So for more information, uh, go to my website, americhicks.com slash Vino. So again, that's americhicks.com slash Vino. And uh, we'll get you more information on that. Uh, great, uh, great sponsors over at Water's Edge Winery, uh, Centennial Vino and Veritas. It was in January, it was Harmony Ridge Construction, building homes and usually making friends in the process. February's presenting sponsor is Susan Kochevar, owner of Historic 88 Drive-In Theater, and she is going to open on April 5th with Shazam. And March's presenting sponsor is Heidi Ganahl and her Free-to-Be Coalition promoting free speech and diversity of thought on college campuses. What a great idea. So our little uh, inspiration, big inspiration for today is Winston Churchill. He says, the pessimist sees difficulty in every opportunity 
And the optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. So those are your words to, to live by today. Uh, little, uh, a little levity before we get into it. Steve, ever wonder, why is it that doctors call what they do a practice? In some cases, yes. <laughs> okay. Number two, why is lemon juice made with artificial flavor and dishwashing liquid is made with real lemons? That's got to be the question of the century. Or maybe this is the question of the century. Why isn't there mouse-flavored cat food? I don't know where you find those goodies, but actually the, the, the lemon one, that's, again, that's, that's pretty good. Okay, well, yeah, and you know what? My new books came with all the new jokes, so you're going to get some, some great new material. So. But uh, let's jump in here. First of all, this new Green Deal, I have read this. And it is astonishing what uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has presented. It would decimate uh, the economy and the ability for everyday individuals to thrive and prosper. And I don't think she thinks that she has a a shot at it right now. But what we see happening, Steve, it's something that's called the Overton window. And if if you have a spectrum, and over here on the left, there's the far left, And there's the far right. And then we've got that big middle right down the middle. And what happens is, is the far right and the far left, they try to move this window more towards their side. We have seen on a consistent basis for the last 30 to 40 years that Overton window has continued to move to the left, move to the left, move to the left. And, um, you know, Ronald Reagan said, if you're my friend 80 percent of the time, then you're my friend. But what's happened is on that other 20%, we've given up 20% and another 20 and another 20. And so we're over here, way over here on this new green deal. And so I thought it was, uh, I thought it was brilliant that Mitch McConnell uh, wanted to bring it to a vote to try to get these people on record. And there were 57 senators that voted against it. And there were 43 that voted present. Present means nothing. It's an absolute cop-out, and I, I would love to be able to change the rules of any voting in Congress that you cannot say present. You have to have an opinion, your own, but hopefully your constituents. And if the timing is off, it's like, oh, this just came out. I don't know how my constituents feel about it. Eh, that's also last century. You can, you can get that data. You can get that information. But to just sit there and this incredible cop-out, and say, you know, oh, yeah, I'm here, but I don't really have an opinion one way or the other. That's garbage. Well, and uh, I, I know that many of them said that there hasn't been time and they haven't taken a look at it. But actually, you know, she presented this on February 7th is when the first thing, you know, the, the first papers came out on it. I actually had downloaded as well her her complete uh presentation. It was a House resolution. I mean, it's right here. And they could have read it. And I am really getting, I'm getting a little frustrated with them. I I, I hate to say the word lie. I'm going to say mistruths, but they are not telling the American people the truth, first of all. And to go in there and just vote present, hey, take a stand, make it, make a case, make a case, yes or no, but present. mm. Let me clarify. Yo, yesterday there was 43, you said present, and they, I think they were all Democrats. The same goes for Republicans. Nobody should be allowed to come in there and just say present. You know this vote was coming. You've got an opinion. Put it out there. And do your homework. Yeah. Now, again, we said we I think we named all six. Six of those 43 votes are running for president. If you can believe it. And they just don't want to go on the record. They don't want to be nailed down. It's like, why not? Hey, yeah. So you're you stand for something or you stand for nothing. 
Uh, but, but what this means is they actually are standing for the new Green Deal. And if you look at it, it will decimate the American idea. It will decimate the American middle class. And one of the other things, if I can find it right here, is uh, this whole thing about intersectionality. What they are attempting to do is to bring what they call marginalized uh, people together, and they want to you know, create a, a, con- a voting block on that. And you know what, Steve, I didn't, I don't, I, it's all right here in the deal, but I'm not finding it right here. But it's basically everybody but straight white guys. Everybody else is, is going to be put, you know, brought up in this new Green Deal, and then there's going to be a whole class of citizens that's going to be pushed down. And as Lincoln said, you cannot raise people up by pushing other people down. We need to work to raise all people up. And that was what is so amazing about the, the Trump economy is we were looking at 4% GDP growth before the Democrats took the House. And if everyday people are successful, no matter what their descriptor is, black, white, man, woman, uh, gay, straight, whatever, if everybody has an opportunity for a good economy, their own economy is doing well, then uh, that seems to be like we want to we try to make that happen. But what we are seeing is in Congress that that is not the case. And the fact that 43 senators voted present, they talk about leadership all the time. They talk about governing all the time. Yeah. And when push comes to shove, this is what we got. That's great governance right there. Present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. We're not going to get to probably the budget today. We might, we might a little bit later with uh, Senator Lundberg. But let's very quickly, let's talk about Jesse Smollett. This guy... You know, he 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 staged an attack. He paid some guys to stage an attack uh, to uh, make it look like uh, Trump supporters had put a noose around his neck and thrown bleach on him. And he staged the whole thing. And uh, and he was charged with I don't know exactly what it was, but, you know, staging the whole thing. And the charges were dropped yesterday in Chicago, in Chicago, if you can believe it. But it looks like uh uh, this can go right back to the Obamas. Apparently, one of the attorneys uh, that worked to get these charges dropped was um, very closely associated with, uh, uh, let's see, Michelle Obama's yeah. chief of staff. She was a member of her staff, yes, in some capacity. Right, in some capacity. And it's amazing to me, we even have Rahm Emanuel, who is saying that uh, this is not okay. That. That was the most stellar part of this. I mean, in, in terms of the visual, there's the, the chief of police who opened the, the session and Rahm Emanuel is right over his shoulder. And, you know, Rahm Emanuel usually has that, oh, who cares look on his face. And I thought, oh, my gosh, when it's his turn to speak, he's going to roast this guy, meaning the chief of uh-huh. police. But he was equally perturbed. And, uh, boy, I was just fascinated. Yeah. Do you, do you think we have time to, should we do that sound bite of Jesse Smollett? Yeah. I think it's just really interesting because, I mean, it, it, the, the guys that he hired, you know, have said that he hired them and then he is coming out and bold face lying. Let's hear that. I've been truthful and consistent on every single level since day one. I would not be my mother's son if I was capable of one drop of what I've been accused of. If I were his mother... I tell you what I might do. Let me say I'll smack the wax out of you, boy. (laughs) I tell you what, yeah. Um, My kids didn't like to see the fly swatter from time to time. So uh, anyway, uh, I don't think he is acting like his mother's son if, in fact, that was something that, uh, if if not telling the truth uh, is something that would be a front to his mother, then his mother is uh, probably pretty frustrated with him. And and the the frustrating thing about this, Steve, is he is not being held accountable. And you were really on this, 
realizing that if, in fact, the truth had not come out on this, there could have been blood in the streets in America. Yep, absolutely. Uh, well, and again, I guess it's been brought out that it was only his self-interest, supposedly some kind of a stunt to put more eyes on his career and make more money, yada, yada. But still, the behind-the-curtain type thing, what could have come bursting out on on the scenes in all the major cities of America is blood in the street. Well, and, you know, one of the things that concerns people is divisiveness. Uh, I think I mentioned I had uh, been on an airplane this weekend and talked to a, a young teacher that was, was headed out for spring break, and she said she was just so concerned about divisiveness. And and the mainstream media, media has tried to put this divisiveness at the feet of Donald Trump. But when you really look at this Jesse Smollett thing, let's let's just break this down. This is a guy who who staged an attack trying to make it look like Trump supporters were attacking a gay black man. He staged it. He paid guys to make it happen and uh, and then wanted to create, foment all of this divisiveness. Then the charges have been dropped, and you can actually see that getting these charges dropped go all the way up to uh, Michelle Obama. And also, I think it's the uh, state prosecutor, I want to say it's Kim Fox, uh, who was also involved in getting these charges dropped. She'd recused herself. Then she's, I can't figure out why she's back in there. And she, she is good friends with Kamala Harris. So who is it who is fomenting divisiveness and trying to break this country up? We need to, to make sure that we understand who that is, and we need to be able to talk with our friends and family and neighbors about that. We've got this important show today, and so we're going to go to break. Before we do that, though, March Madness, you know, a little, you know, some other things to take our minds off of this. March Madness is underway, and Hooters Restaurants is my sports headquarters. And the Nuggets are bringing it on. The Avs, we think, are going to be here in the playoffs. And Major League Baseball starts at the end of the week. And Hooters is the place to watch all the games. And Wednesday is Wing Day. All the wings you can eat for fourteen ninety nine. So try their new smoked wings. They are delectable and only half the calories. And Hooters wings can fly. In fact, I'm going to have the girls over tonight. And I'm going to have Hooters wings delivered right to my front doorstep. So more information, visit Hooters. Colorado.com. That's Hooters. Colorado.com. Let them know that you know the AmeriChicks. And we will be right back talking with Congressman Ken Buck. All AmeriChicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich & Company help your business plan ahead financially. The AmeriChicks with Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich & Company as your financial business consultant. Predovich & Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn about the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich & Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich & Company. Call 303-791-3000 today. Social media is important to the AmeriChicks since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. 
Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect the issues, the news, politics, and opinion as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, we need to be having these conversations. Be sure and check out my website, AmeriChicks.com. Sign up for my emails. I'll keep you apprised of everything coming up. I'm the AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well, offering you a conservatarian perspective. Thrilled to have on the line with me Congressman Ken Buck. He doesn't have to go to the circus because he's got a front row seat. He's in Washington. How are you doing, Ken? I'm doing great, thank you. <laughs> wow, it's wild back there. Every day it, it's something new. It's it's really uh it's fascinating. Well, what's on your radar? I, you know, I this whole new green deal in that vote yesterday over in the Senate has gotten my attention. What do you think about that? Well, I I think it's unbelievable that that anybody in this country, a, a country that is a you know, based on the American dream, based on pulling yourselves up by the bootstraps, based on uh, hard work and, and getting ahead and having a level playing field, anybody that believes in that and thinks that the Green New Deal um, is a good idea, the Green New Deal that says uh, whether somebody is unable or unwilling to work, they should have economic security, meaning they should have welfare, is it's just unreal. It, it is It is so contrary to what made this country great and, and what keeps this country great that uh, I can't believe any responsible member of Congress is in favor of it. And I can't believe that uh, there, there is a, uh, a portion of the American public that thinks it's a good idea, but, but that there is. Well, and Steve and I were talking about it, uh, producer Steve and I were talking about this in the first segment. Forty-three senators voted present. And when I was on city council, Ken, uh, when I first got on, there was was a vote that I you know, there was real kind of pressure to to vote yes on it, and I, I couldn't get there. So I thought, well, I'll just vote present. And the city manager said, you have to take a stand. So I did. I ended up voting no on it. But uh, present is nothing. You you take a stand uh, one way or the other, and and then you, you give your reasons, yes or no. And so those 43 senators that voted uh, present, and as Stephen mentioned, I think six of them are running for president, and that's not leadership. That's not making the case. And uh, I just found that absolutely mind-boggling. Well, those six also believe that we should uh, pack the Supreme Court, that we should uh, do away with the uh, Electoral College. It, it's unbelievable how far to the left the, the Democrats have lurched. And, uh, you know, many, many people say, well, uh, President Trump's numbers are at 38% or they're at 42% or... Whatever the numbers are, uh, they say, you know, there's no way he can win. Uh, you got to look at who the Democrats put up. And, and first of all, I think President Trump's numbers are much better than that. But, mm-hmm. but secondly, uh, the, the idea that uh, somebody is going to ignore the Constitution or uh, drastically change the Constitution, uh, the American public's not going to put up with it. And so I, I just don't understand why those Democrats don't say, we reject socialism. We, we may want a more compassionate form of, of capitalism, but we reject socialism, and, and they won't say that. Well, and I, you know, capitalism, I think, I really think one of the most compassionate things that one person can give to another is a job, so that somebody has the dignity of work. Now, granted, Congressman Buck, there there is a small percentage 
of the population that cannot care for themselves. And it used to be that we, you know, we had charities and churches that where we stepped up as citizens to help those particular individuals. Um, but but what has happened now is we've used government and quote unquote good excuses for government to delve into the pockets of hardworking people and take their money under the guise of helping others. And instead, what we see, in, for example, in Denver here, we talk about homelessness. Once you start to make a government program of homelessness, we have what we have now. It's only gotten worse instead of gotten better. And um, so, you know, there's kind of this vision of, of compassion with socialism. But when you get right down to it, the most compassionate thing that you can do is to give another person a job. No doubt, and, and, and capitalism has uh, increased the prosperity of people across the globe, uh, and and uh, uh, you know breaking down trade barriers has increased prosperity across the globe. Uh, there are so many things uh, that that the capitalist system has done uh, in, in terms of medicine, in terms of transportation, uh, all sorts of uh, things that we would not have without the competition from, from the marketplace. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree with you. If they want to talk about compassion, uh, they should put it in terms of, of capitalism, not in terms of socialism. But I, I think that uh, they, they, the, the Democrats, the liberals, the progressives, have, have moved away from that. And, and it's too bad because uh, you can't point to a, uh, a socialist economy that has created wealth and has distributed wealth and has raised people out of poverty uh, like the capitalist system here in America. Well, and you know what? This Democrat Party is not the party of JFK. Uh, this is not the part, the Democrat Party of people's grandparents and, uh, and parents. This is a whole new different thing. So we've only got a few more minutes. What is on your radar? What are you pushing forward? What are you, you know, what are you doing exactly there in, in Washington? Well, what I'm trying to do is when when the Democrats offer a bad bill, and and I I have done this a number of times recently, uh, they offered a really bad uh, gun bill, for example. Uh, It was a universal background check bill. Um, And when they offer a really bad bill, what I try to do is offer amendments uh, to improve that bill. And and without uh, exception, uh, actually one exception, Democrats have uh, rejected uh, Republican amendments uh, in the Judiciary Committee uh, to make bills better. And, and it's just unfortunate uh, that they've done that. But uh, I've offered amendments on, on uh, gun bills, and uh, they offered an election bill. I offered amendments on that. Uh, the, the one exception was uh, that there, there was a War Powers Act uh, a piece of legislation and resolution on uh, the, the uh, war in, in Yemen and the American involvement in that war. And uh, I offered an, uh, uh, an amendment that would have allowed America to share intelligence with Saudi Arabia. And uh, that was accepted by the Democrats and uh, passed overwhelmingly uh, on the floor, which was uh, really uh, satisfying to me to, to be in the minority and, and to be able to get something like that passed. But it's really a matter of just waiting for them to decide what they're moving in committee and what they're moving on the floor, and then uh, try to find ways of making it better. Okay. Well, I really appreciate you being on the front line there. And I I know that uh, when we were scheduling this, that you were working on your schedule, and and you were going to be 
at, at baseball practice, I guess, this morning for the Congress and for the game. And I, I mean, I remember, was it a, like a year ago or two years ago when um, Republicans were targeted and shot? And I'm like, ah, gosh, you know, I, I don't know. It just kind of I thought about it. and I thought for your safety this morning as you were doing that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, Steve Scalise was shot two years ago uh, in, in practicing for the uh, baseball game between the Republicans and the Democrats. Last year, we raised over a million dollars for the Boys and Girls Club of D.C., so it's a great charity. And, and the Capitol Police had secured uh, the facility we practice at one of the Washington Nationals uh, facilities. And, and it's unbelievable how uh, how much uh, security there is. And, and uh, it's it's really such a good charity and such a... Uh, a wonderful event that um, uh, I'm really happy that uh, I, I get to participate in. Although I have to wake up at, at two o'clock in the morning, Colorado time, uh, to get that done. <laughs> it's a little <laughs> bit of a, uh, a challenge. And what position do you play? Well, I, I pitched last year, uh, and, and uh, after seeing me pitch, they moved me to shortstop. I'm not <laughs> sure whether that's because I have such quick feet or such a weak arm. <laughs> uh, one way or the other, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just happy to be out on the field. Uh, good for you. Congressman Kinbuck, thank you so much for joining us. If people want to contact you, what's the best way to do that? You, you know, uh, the, uh, the best way is, is uh, buckforcolorado.com, or they can call my office. Uh, if they have a uh, question about legislation, uh, and that's 202-225-4676. Okay, Congressman Kinbuck, thank you so much. We greatly appreciate your perspective. Thank you. Take care. Have a great day. And we've got on the line with us John Buckingham. Jason McBride with Presidential Wealth Management is taking a few days off, and, and so we get to talk to John Buckingham with Presidential Wealth Management. John, welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing great this morning. How about you? Well, I'm doing just fine. And the markets there, I mean, it's always interesting. But let's let's talk a little bit about interest rates. Uh, what do you think about the interest rate environment today? Well, right now we're experiencing a time when the yield curve is inverted, which means really short-term interest rates are actually paying you more than the intermediate uh, five-year, 10-year bond. So normally that's a sign of a recession coming on, but... Given the interest rate environment around the world, it's presenting buying opportunities for different sectors of the income universe. Um, but it is a concern for us going forward here. So opportun- what kind of opportunities uh, does it present? What does that look like exactly? Well, with the bond market, it's very similar to the stock market, how some sectors may be outperforming others or maybe they're undervalued relative to their actual values of the bonds. And so with the bond market, it's, you know, whether you're in municipals or government bonds, you want to right now kind of avoid those long-term treasuries uh, because interest rates on those could start ticking up as the yield curve corrects itself. Um, But at the same time, you've got opportunities in senior loans and other areas of the income universe where you can pick up some really good income on undervalued securities. It's kind of the Buffett approach to bond investing, if you will. There's a lot of good opportunities out there right now. For those in retirement, it's a good time to be taking a good hard look at what you're in to make sure that you're positioned correctly. Okay. And you guys over there, uh, you guys and gals over there at Presidential Wealth Management are happy to take a look at people's nest eggs, you know, and probably kind of assess this retirement and and income situation. Um, And and you're available to do that now, right, John? Absolutely. We can do that at any time for anyone. Um, it's a very good time to have a review of your portfolio. 
um, to make sure that you are positioned correctly going forward into the next year or so. Yeah, because each person is different. Each of their needs is different. So it's good to can, you know assess it, and, and you guys would uh, put another eye, a set of eyes on that nest egg for sure. Absolutely. We would be happy to do that. Okay. And so uh, to reach out to you guys, we have our own landing page, chickspresidential.com. That's chickspresidential.com. Or the phone number at Presidential Wealth Management is 303-694-1600, 303-694-1600. John Buckingham, thank you so much. And we get to talk with you again tomorrow morning, right? Sounds perfect. I'll see you tomorrow. Okay, great. Have a great day. Okay, okay we're going to go to break. When we come back, uh, we will be talking about things that are going on in Colorado uh, because there is, um, there's just so much. Uh, we have uh, no, um, no dearth of things to talk about. So this is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. We'll be right back. Work with mortgage professionals who will give you quick and accurate financial advice. Home Mortgage Alliance has the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financial options available to you. The mortgage process can be stressful, and as interest rates rise, it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now so you're ready to buy. Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure that you're making the right financial choice for you and your family. 303-888-2732. Kim and Mark will remain available to you 24-7 to help you through the process. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Call Kim and Mark with Home Mortgage Alliance today. 303-888-2732. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best with well-priced, made-to-measure clothes that fit a busy lady's lifestyle. Gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Yes, welcome back to the Ameritix with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. We need to be having these conversations. Be sure and check out my website, Americhicks.com. Sign up for my emails. And I am the Americhicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. I'd appreciate it if you would like and follow me. And offering you a conservatarian perspective. Uh, And there is so much going on, both at the national level and here in Colorado. We still have a little over a month of this particular legislative session. And then we're going to get to have a whole nother legislative session next year with these same folks, unless they get, some of them get recalled. Uh, and uh, wanted to talk to Senator Kevin Lundberg. Uh, he is a former or former state Senator Kevin Lundberg. Uh, he has a, a real understanding of, of principles. He also has an understanding of what's going on down there. And welcome, Senator Lundberg. It's great to have you on. Well, thank you. It's good to be with you. There's a lot going on down there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think one of the first things with me is the budget was presented. Uh, And I know that you know, understand the finances, uh, because weren't you on the Joint Mm -hmm. Budget Committee? For the last two years, I was. Yes. So I'm I'm not sure I'd say I understand it, but I certainly know how the process works. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, what do you think about this budget that's been presented? Well, uh, I'm going to have to beg off and, and say I don't know the exact details on it okay. because I haven't been there watching this one develop. But I have talked a bit with uh, Kim Ransom, who is on the Joint Budget Committee, and uh, um, 
<laughs> she she's been just overwhelmed with with all of the stuff coming at her. And, and understand how the budget works is uh, the Joint Budget Committee builds off of what the governor presents, and this would have been Hickenlooper's budget that he would have thrown at him, but you know it wouldn't be a whole lot different probably than than uh, the uh, the current guy. And um, they will fold in from time to time into that budget some of the bills that are coming through. So I'm, I'm certain that it, uh, for example, there was over a million dollars that was appropriated for House Bill 1032, the sex ed bill, okay. which just blew me away that they did that before the budget came about. I'm sure that the Joint Budget Committee has put that money into the budget um, in, in some form, uh, at least acknowledge that it's there because they spent it before the budget was actually made. <laughs> Which, which is kind of the unusual part of it. Usually the Joint Budget Committee, as they say, works off of the previous year's budget. They budget according to what current law says. And yet, in this year, they're spending a whole lot more. Here's another example. Um, all-day kindergarten programs for all the school districts across the state. Um, <clears throat> that was the big story where the Joint Budget Committee said, yes, we will fund that. We will put in an additional $185 million in the system for that. Now, that's above and beyond everything else that's going on. Um, It's, it, it, uh, it, it, well, it doesn't surprise me in one sense, because last year on, um, for the Republican side, and and then that year we had half the JVC was Republican, this year, understand, it's it's four Democrats and two Republicans, so the Republicans stand by and watch as the mm-hmm. do whatever they want. But but last year, we knew we had some additional revenues coming in, and, and I knew that they weren't going to s- save much of them. Actually, some of it we did. We increased the statutory reserve. I, I doubt if they're doing that this year, because what they're trying to do is find more cash to spend. Um, we also devoted more money towards transportation towards roads mm-hmm. um now that didn't turn out to be as much as we'd hoped even though it was in the hundreds of millions of dollars so this year the priority is the all-day kindergarten um and a lot of republicans i'm afraid to say have come gone on board with that as well uh, i find that quite disappointing on on several levels um one of which is statistically you know the governor keeps saying well we want kids to be prepared so they can be more academically uh, um, proficient when they get into uh, the higher grades. Well, when you increase um, uh, early education like that, they find that uh, uh, there's no statistical evidence after third grade that, that uh, these kids have gotten any additional preparation because there are so many other factors. So, well, how are the schools treating them in first, second, and third grade? What about the parents? Are they really uh, behind the you know, the kids' uh, education or just sending them off to school. Um, so they spent money on the governor's wish list, first and foremost. Um, I'm sure that the rest of the budget reflects uh, the the spend, spend, spend that we've, we've seen uh, from the, the D's every year, you know. And, and when you put the budget together, every department comes before you and special interest group and says, what about this, what about this, mm-hmm. what about this? Mm-hmm. And you, you end up growing the budget. When I started 16 years ago, um, it seems to me the overall budget was somewhere in the 
let me think, it, it was um, in the low teens as far as how many billions of dollars the total budget was spending. Now we're well over $30 billion. Um, we're going the wrong direction. And, and if you think taxes are too high and if you think that, that the, uh, the government is, uh, uh, is intent on, on being involved in too many parts of our lives, uh, yeah, this is it. Uh, and this is the proof of it, the pure proof of it, is, is the budget is just growing as fast as they can, even with Tabor there. And, and they're trying to get rid of Tabor. Yeah. 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 That, that's one of the latest bills that came out. I think it's 1257. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when I say get rid of Tabor, there are two main parts that are left. They've already, you know, not a way to add it over the years. But one, um, taxes and, and uh, long-term debt require a vote of the people. And number two, there's a limit on how much they can spend, so how much revenue they can keep and spend. Well, they violated the limit on on uh, the vote of the people or the requirement for the vote of the people many, many times, and they've got a big bill out there this year where they're creating this Family Leave Act, which will be a hundreds of millions of dollar program. But guess what? It's not a tax. It's a fee. Right. It's just <laughs> semantics on language is and, what and so it is. Voted. Yeah. But then 1257 takes the final step and really I think the fatal blow to Tabor if they actually do two things. One, they pass it, which I suspect they will. And number two, if the people approve it, because at least they know they have to get that approved, approval. And that's to, you might say, detabor Tabor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to, well, and a lot that, of local districts can do this. Well, a couple of things. It's, it's unconstitutional, first of all, to do it this way because Tabor, the taxpayer... Taxpayers' Bill of Rights is uh, is a constitutional amendment to the right. Colorado Constitution. So I think uh, that this is highly unconstitutional. First of all, to do I, this I'm glad this way. You pointed that out. Yes. And then the other thing, and this was so sneaky. Well, you mentioned a couple of really sneaky things. And I, I don't like it when government does sneaky things. I mean, I think we are supposed to have a relationship between the people in our government, you know, we the people and our government, one of, of truth and transparency. But on Tabor, as you mentioned, there's a couple of, of components of it. The first component is that, that basically the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, the amendment to the Constitution, Colorado Constitution, says... Hey, government, if you want to raise our taxes, you just have to ask us. You just have to make the case, and you have to ask us. Then the Mm -hmm. other component of it is, is that, and it's a very, um, uh, it's it's a good formula. It's a formula of population and inflation, and so it puts puts that factor in there. But then anything above that, any revenue growth above that, once again, we just say, hey, government, if you want to keep all that excess revenue after we've we've given you an increase already. Just ask us. But Senator Lundberg, it's amazing to me. There are people on both sides. It's a bipartisan um, uh, Uh, effort to have their hands in your pocket. I want to say for 1257, it's just barely bipartisan. Uh, I believe there's one One. senator in, and I've worked with him enough to know that that's not a big surprise, Mm -hmm. put it that way, gently. Um, the the vast majority of the Republican caucus is solidly against uh, this uh, this uh, this killing of Tabor. That's really what it is. Mm-hmm. And 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 I'm glad you pointed out that it's unconstitutional because it is for a couple of reasons. One is 
that uh, uh, if, if you're really going to take that big a swipe at Tabor, you need to change Tabor. You need to go back to the Constitution and say, okay, that part doesn't exist. And here's how the legislature does it. By a two-thirds majority in both houses, they, they pass a bill that then goes to the people, and then the people are required to pass it by a um, uh, 55% majority. Now, maybe they'll finagle around that one because they said to repeal old constitutional changes, it only takes 50%. But, but this would not be a repeal of Tabor. This would be a modification that mm-hmm. I think should meet the full constitutional requirement. Um, and and uh, by either of those measurements, it just isn't. And, and so by a simple bill, which just takes a simple majority in both houses, uh, they put this up, and uh, it's kind of like referendum C. I've heard it be called uh, son of C, uh, which was a five-year, quote, timeout from the, the mm-hmm. spending limit. Mm-hmm. And and that was unconstitutional, even though it it was allowed to, uh, to uh, uh, function. So we're right now illegally operating way beyond what uh, Tabor actually uh, required us to do. Um, but then this is permanent. This is forever. You know, you never go back to, to uh, change things. You just uh, act as if refsi never existed. Well, and uh, I mean, it, it, Tabor never existed. It doesn't, re- it doesn't respect the next generation. You know, we I think that we need to take a look at things and we need to make decisions, you know, for us. But we can't encumber, you know, the next generation and take away their choice to be able to vote on on these new taxes. There's there's something about and, uh, you know, great societies and great people of which America was is based on great society. And there's a lot of great, great Americans out there, great societies and great people care about how they treat their neighbors and what they pass on to their children. And so let's continue on. We're going to go to break, uh, Senator Lundberg, and come back, mm-hmm. continue to talk about what is happening down at the Golden Dome here in, in Colorado. So this is Kim Munson with the Americhicks. Stay tuned. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. As a Colorado representative to the National Board of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we're dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. Uh, be sure and check out my website, Americhicks.com. Sign up for my emails. I'll keep you apprised of all the upcoming guest topics and important events. And I am the Americhicks on Facebook and Twitter as well, offering a conservatarian perspective. Thrilled to have on the line with me, former state senator Kevin Lundberg. He served our state for 16 years, both, first of all, in the House of Representatives, 
then as a senator. And uh, I think Senator Lundberg, it's one of the reasons why I don't like term limits. Uh, although I think there, there's a, I think there's a good guy that's, that's taking your place. But you've done such great work for the people of Colorado. And and I I, I know there's many many people that I didn't mean to go down the the uh, conversation of term <laughs> limits. However, I still believe that term limits should be at the voting box is where I think it should be instead of a kind of a forced thing. And what what do you think about that? Since you were termed out, what's your thoughts? Well, I'm one of the rare term-limited people who still supports term limits. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I regret not being down there from time to time, but, but I also recognize a couple of things. Had it not been for term limits, I probably wouldn't have gotten in in the first place. Okay. Uh, just given the, the – it, it, it did loosen up the system so more people could get in, engaged and involved. Okay. Uh, here's, here's the big problem we have with term limits in my mind is we don't have it at the federal level. And so what we have is, is this incredible stratification of power in Congress where uh, it takes 30 years to actually get established, and by that time they're so ingrown to the system – that uh, that they really should be, you know, changed uh, out, um, and uh, it it should be a, you know, people say, well, you term limit people by uh, voting them out, but but uh, at the federal level, uh, you find that if somebody's been there for decades, it's it's, it's pretty difficult. virtually impossible. Yeah, and and I believe that the uh, legislature at the state and the federal level should be comprised of we the people. And and let me take that and kind of double that back to what we were talking about before, because if you look at the Colorado Constitution, it's very clear that the legislature is empowered by the people, and the people reserve the right to review all legislation. That's what it says. Um, and it rarely happens, even though it is happening this year with a national popular vote. There's a there, there's a uh, referendum being, uh, petitions being circulated right now mm-hmm. to say, we don't think that was the right thing on the part of the legislature, and we want to review that. But there's this little catch they have that they put in the Constitution as well, that if, it, uh, if it's an immediate uh, concern of health and safety for the people of Colorado, you can circumvent that and just put the bill in place automatically, and that's what they do. You know, so once again, they, they violate that. I watched that so many times. They, they put in what's called a safety clause, mm-hmm. and that means the people cannot review the legislation. Um, that's what that safety people, clause does, huh? That is, yeah, that's, huh. that's what a safety clause is, is it's to circumvent the requirement that, that uh, the people have that right to review the legislation before it becomes law. And, and you see, because without the safety clause... The, the bill cannot become law until sometime in August after the session is concluded. Um, huh. and, and they do that for almost everything. They didn't for the national popular vote because it's a really hard thing to argue uh, <laughs> that it's affecting anything because it, it's just joining a compact that isn't even in effect yet. Um, so they couldn't get away with it. And in this case, I, I think the people are going to have an opportunity to, to review it. But so many of the other pieces of bad legislation that are going down, like uh, Senate Bill 181, mm-hmm. you know, the oil and gas uh, kick them out of the state, basically, mm-hmm. Bill, or the Family Leave Act, uh, um, you know, I could just go down the line, safety clause, safety clause, safety clause, 
which is a slap in the face of the people every time. You know, and, and I would recommend to folks to go read this legislation. I think for many years I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm just a regular person. You know, I, I, I'm i not going to understand, you know, what this legislation is. And you know what? You can. And you can actually, you can um, you can Google it. You can put in like uh, Senate Bill 19181. So how that works is if it, if it originates in the Senate, it's an SB, a Senate bill. If it originates in the House, it's yep. an HB. Then it has the year. So it's 19. And then, um, for example, the oil and gas bill, it's 181. And, you know, typically I'm seeing, um, you know, they may be 30 some pages long, although the one to get around Tabor, I think that's only about four pages. But you can look in, and at the very end is that safety clause. And if you you look at that, you realize they're trying to get around, as you mentioned, the will of the people. That is absolutely, it's dishonorable. It's really dishonorable in my view. Well, it is most of the case. I will admit that there is a uh, necessity that some bills do need to be passed right now. You know, some emergency happens. The legislature meets. We've got to make this law. uh, Like a flood or something like that to help people? Or or, it was a much simpler one. a couple of years ago, we had to rush a bill through because there was a, a compact for nurses uh, among other states, and a lot of nurses were literally going to lose their license if we didn't get this thing passed. And that's because we kind of got caught with some other components that were working in other states, and so it had to happen, and it had to happen now. Um, okay, that that's why the Constitution really does have that safety clause provision, but. But that's a rare occurrence, and unfortunately, the lack of a, uh, safety clauses is the rarity. Uh, I, let me give you a simpler way to look at some of this legislation, okay. if I might. Yes. Uh, and that is, I publish a list of all of the bills that I consider to be real significant changes for the state of Colorado in an email that I send out every week okay. during the session. And uh, you can sign up for my email. It's... Uh, you just go to my website, kevinlundberg.com, give me your email address, and, and on this list, I have the link to each one of these bills. So you just oh, that's really there easy. You are. How many do you have I on am, there right now, Kevin? Well, there are about 35 or so. I mean, the, it could be more, but I've, I've tried to limit this. Some of them are really good bills. Unfortunately, they've all lost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, without exception. Uh, but... But the others, a lot of them are in process still, and I try to list, you know, past the House, past this. Uh, maybe it's on the governor's desk. Maybe the governor signed it. Uh, or if there's nothing, that just means it's in the first House in, in committees. That's and awesome that you have yet. that. That is awesome. It, it's, well, it's, it's uh, something that, that helps you sort it out a bit. But what you said at first was the most important thing, and that is read the bill. That's something I'm afraid to tell you. Not enough legislators do. <laughs> I mean, you would be amazed at how many bills. And, and there's some practical reality of that because we have hundreds of bills. Mm-hmm. And you, uh, for some, if you're on certain committees, you spend hours and hours listening to all the testimony on that particular bill. And, uh, and so it's difficult. But unfortunately, a whole lot of the really big, important bills, legislators just, you know, they say, oh, yeah, I'm for it. Or maybe they say, I'm against it. But they don't really know why, because they never really studied the bill. Uh, you as a citizen need to know that. And you need, when you talk to your legislator, you know, if there's a significant problem on a particular bill, you need to drag them over that paper 
you know, on that page and say, look, on page 12, this is the problem. Fix it. That That is precisely right. And we as citizens can do that. And there is great credibility when you are debating somebody regarding the merits of, for example, I, I've read the whole, the new green deal, the resolution that, uh, oh that, uh, uh, and, and it's not that long. I mean, it's probably, you know, 10 pages. Um, but there's credibility when you're talking with someone to say, well, I've read the bill and this is what it says instead yeah. of, I heard this on CNN or now, if you've heard it on the Americhicks, you can be assured that we're doing our best to get to truth and clarity. But, you know, actually, I would recommend that everybody read it, <laughs> but but read it, you know, and turn the TV off for just a few minutes instead of listening to all the talking heads. Read the bill. And then when you talk to people, you can say, I've read it and I'm concerned about blah, blah, blah. There's credibility in that. And that is really yes. that's the American idea. We the people talking yes, to absolutely. each other. I know we're about to run out of time, but let me give you a real quick story that happened 20 years ago. Okay. Um, no, 25 years ago. In 1994, there was a huge federal a piece of federal legislation reauthorizing secondary education, and there was a, a mom, and she was, she was a homeschooling mom from New Jersey who decided to read this 1,000-page bill, and she found folded in there this one amendment that would have shut down homeschooling within just a few years from that date in 1994. She went to people and talked to them about it, her legislator and some other legislators and some other folks, and a firestorm started out of that where they actually stripped that out and really changed things. And it was a be- not because some staffer <clears throat> or some lobbyist or some member of Congress read that bill. It's because a citizen decided, I'm going to take the time to read this. And history was made. History was made, and one person can make a difference. One person, I think, searching for truth, clarity, and uh, they can make a difference. You know, there were only 57 signers to the Declaration of Independence, and there was well over a third of the country that did not support, uh, you know, uh, independence. And so you've got to think about that. Just a few people standing on principle and truth and clarity can make a difference. Senator Lumberg, uh, we've only got about a minute left, but Colorado... I mean, this is this is not the Colorado that I remember, the Western spirit, the individualistic, you know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, hard work. Um, what can we get it back? I'm, I'm so concerned about what's happened. I am concerned as well, but I haven't given up hope because I don't believe what we're seeing in the legislature reflects the people of Colorado as clearly as it reflects a lot of very shrewd political maneuvering. Uh, it's going to take a lot of work on a lot of of our parts to actually make that difference. You know, you mentioned some recalls. Uh, I think in some cases that's that's warranted and should be attempted. Now that's a tough, uh, tough bar one, yeah. to, to mm-hmm. meet. But it. But if we don't, if we don't, if the bills today that become law, I don't think you're going to be able to recognize this state in another ten to twenty years. Okay. Uh, I believe it's going to be at the bottom of the economic barrel. It's going to have uh, the moral values will be totally different. Uh, I am deeply concerned, never have been as concerned as I am uh, with what I see today. But we could change it if we get to work right now. Well, Senator Kevin Lundberg, uh, thank you so much. And you're going to like this quote for the, for the uh, end of the show. It's Thomas Paine. He says, the harder the conflict the more glorious the triumph. So we got to be in the fight. <laughs> well, <laughs> well we, we've got a lot of 
a lot of glory ahead of us. Oh, yeah, we do. So thank you so much. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals. And like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks signing off. God bless you, and God bless America. Young, like a new-